they wanted. That's a positive surprise. They weren't expecting you to get it, then they got it. Their brain looks forward to the next time they get another positive surprise, right? So they get another toy, another positive surprise, another toy, another positive surprise. becomes a habit. Uh, that, that's the process by which we are spoiled. Now, some interesting things happen with positive surprises here. The, 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 the longer this goes on, the more positive that surprise has to be. You guys ever notice this? Right? It, what, what used to be good enough now is kind of, eh, and I need, I need something more. The, the, the child expects new toys. Uh, the, the adult expects whatever it is, new things. Um, and whenever these new expectations are violated, in other words, you don't get what you're expecting, guess what that's called? A negative surprise. Did anybody say that out loud in, in your head? That's called a negative surprise. So when you don't get what you want, you have a negative surprise. And what often happens when spoiled people get a negative surprise? <laughs> right? When the child doesn't get a new toy, he experiences a negative surprise. And, and, and who has seen that in the store? Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca and I have this, this saying. You know which one I'm going to do, right? We were in a grocery store. This has been months back. And we were shopping. And these, this mom with these three kids, these kids kept bringing stuff to her, bringing stuff to her. And th- this one little kid ran up with a bottle of soda. And she said, no, agua. And he's like, goes, puts it back. I know, oh. And so that's our saying. When anybody's being spoiled in their house, it's no, agua. <laughs> Don't be spoiled, <laughs> right? In case you're wondering, this happens to adults too. I mean, we like to talk about spoiled children and we say our kids are spoiled or we've spoiled our children or maybe sometimes we'll, we'll admit to ourselves. But this is, a, this is a thing. Adults can become spoiled too. I, uh, Lydia and I this week, we went to a restaurant over in, in Franklin Park, La Careta, the cart. I, and I only mention that because the other restaurant I go to in a minute has a really great name. So we went to this restaurant, and I've been wanting chili rellenos, and I haven't been able to find good chili rellenos. We went there, and they had the best chili rellenos. And I don't know any of the foodies. You go to a food place, you get some food, you eat it, and you kind of know immediately, don't you? This is a place I'm going to want to go back to a lot, like all the time, maybe, right? So I knew when I ate it, this is really good. I think I'm going to want to go back. That was like last week, Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday, somewhere in there. So yesterday after the rain and all the cold and change clothes and go home and feed the dogs and all that kind of stuff, we dropped Becca off uh, at, at something she was doing. And Lydia and I were going to go to dinner. And I was like, man, I want, I told Lydia, I was like, I really want chili rainos again. And I know it hasn't even been a week. She said, I really liked my food too. We could go again. So we had this plan to go over to this restaurant in Franklin Park. Problem was we were at Lincoln and, or uh, Milwaukee and Belmont. And I was like, that's a half hour drive each way. We needed to pick her up. So Lydia and and Rebecca said, there's this little Mexican restaurant. I love the name of it, El Gallo Bravo, right? (laughs) And I asked the lady at the counter, I was like, okay, I know what these two words mean, but the second word has a lot of different translations. So which is it? And she said, it's angry. So it's the angry rooster. I, I thought maybe it was the fierce rooster or the valiant rooster, but it's the angry rooster. I love the name of that restaurant. Although... Lydia and Rebecca said it was good. I had my doubts. They did have chili rainos on the menu. I ordered it. I was ready to be disappointed. I was ready for a negative surprise because I'm spoiled. They were very good, right? So then I'm presented with a, I'm presented with a conundrum. I like both. 
Who is, and you know, and your mind starts going, which is better? Now I have two Chili Reno places, and they're far enough apart now that no matter where I am in Chicago, I know a good place for Chili Reno's, right? So, so now I'm spoiled as well. Uh, at first, my expectations were violated because I realized if we took Rebecca to where she was going, we wouldn't have time to travel to Franklin Park. So I had this negative surprise, and then I spoiled myself by finding a new place. So we're all spoiled. Here's the rub. Even when we don't get exactly what we expect, there's, there's this downside. And this is called the law of diminishing returns. I mentioned it a minute ago. Uh, we get something, maybe we get what we want, but we just get the same. Eventually, that gets boring. This is kind of the root of addiction as well. You always need more to get that same burst, that same high, that same rush. Any kind of addiction. I'm not just talking with drugs and alcohol. Any kind of addiction. It could be gambling. It could be anything. It could be chili rellenos. It's like I used to get the two chili reno plate. Now I need the three chili reno plate to get the same rush, right? Or these chili rellenos were good. They were really good. I needed them, but I'm always looking for the, aren't we? Always looking for the better chili rellenos. This is really the essence of what being spoiled is. So we have our focus on the wrong thing because we're always looking for something more. We're looking for something better. We don't appreciate what we have. We don't, we don't take time to be where we're at. Our phones play into this, don't they? Even when we're together, we're sitting there, we're eating chillerinos with our family, we're doing whatever with our family, and we all have our phones out. Anybody, any families like that? Some of you are like, no, our family is not that way. Good for you. Good for you. Um, you know, Lydia and I, we're, we're in our 50s. Phones are, are newer to us. Our kids grew up pretty much from the time they could have a phone. They had phones. It was a thing in Poland. Everybody in Poland had phones, so we all had phones. We came back to the United States. We still all had phones. It was kind of a thing. And then it caught on here. Now we have to battle against it. Now it's like, okay, this is no phone time. Put the phone in the pocket. We're going to eat dinner. We're going to talk about something other than church and children and chilerianos. We're going to talk about something else. So we, we have a conversation, and we, we make sure... That, that we, we do something different. But the essence of being spoiled is failing to see what we have, failing to appreciate the good things we have. And I think this is why the author of 1 Peter penned these, these verses for us, because he wanted to remind us that we have some amazing things. And when we read this, you should be, if you're a Christ follower, you know Christ as Lord and Savior, you're, you're, you're following him or you're on the way to discovering who he is and following him, Th these verses should make you break out in a grin. You should be smiling when we're done reading this. It's going to be on page 50, uh, 588 in the Pew Bibles. It'll be up on the screen as well. We're reading 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 through 7, and here's what it says. Blessed, remember to smile. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. That's an amen moment. You don't have to say it, but just in your head. Or you, you can say it out loud. It's, it's up to you. But he's caused us to be born again. Listen to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is un imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the testing, the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, that faith may be found to result in praise and glory 
and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I entitled this message, What Do We Have? Because the author here unpacks. It's like he opens up a treasure chest. He's like, hey, here's what God has given you. Here's what he has for you. Here's what you will have in the future. He's like, here's all the treasures of God that have been given to the Christ follower. And so let's unpack it. The first thing we have is a new birth. He's given us a new birth. This should like make you smile. This is good. We needed a new birth because we were separated from God because of sin. We go all the way back to Genesis. We studied that back in the past. We know about sin in the garden and Adam and Eve deciding to choose their own will over the will of God and God saying, okay, well, your sin means we can't be together in this garden anymore. And they were cast out and they were separated from God. And that's our state today. We're still cast out. We're still separated from God. Our sin keeps us separated because God's holy and our sin, and, and we are not, that keeps us separated. But Christ came to give us a new birth, and he gave it to us according to his great mercy. You ever had mercy on somebody? More importantly, has anybody ever had mercy on you? You deserved some punishment. You deserved some, some result. There was some consequence for something you did or said, uh, and you knew the punishment was coming, but the person came to you and said, I'm going to let it slide this time. Anybody? What's that feel like? That's not exactly the same thing we're talking about with God, because God's not saying, I'm going to let it slide this time with your sin. That's not at all what he's saying. But he comes to you with that attitude that, that he loved you so much that he sent Christ to die for your sin in order that you could be made right with him, because God in Christ carried your sin to the cross and paid the penalty for it. And now when God looks at you as a Christ follower, he sees you through Christ. Christ's righteousness, Christ's goodness, Christ's life has, has, has purchased for you a rightness with God that you didn't have because of sin. So according to his great mercy, that's the mercy of God, he has given us a new birth. A guy asked a question one time, why in the world would I need that? We're going to take a look at John 518. We're going we're gonna to bump around a little bit today. You know, I love to answer questions about Scripture with Scripture. So we're going to read a little bit about new birth. In John 3, there was a man named Nicodemus, and we're going to be introduced to him in a moment. Chapter 3, John uh, 518 in your pew Bibles, and it says this. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher Come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless one has a new birth, as the author of Peter puts it, unless they have been born again, no one may see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Good question. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered him, saying this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He's talking about two births. Born of water, there is born of a woman. Because we know when a baby's born, there's water. So he said there's a, there's a physical birth. Unless a person is born physically and born spiritually, he's always saying there's these, there's these two births. Unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. All of us today have been born of flesh. We've been born of water. 
He says, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again because the wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So there's this, this new birth we have to experience. We've experienced the physical birth. We've grown to the age we're at today, that birth of flesh, that birth of water. Jesus says there's a second birth into the spiritual kingdom that comes when Jesus Christ saves us. We're, again, separated from God by our sin. Christ took our sin to the cross. When we ask Christ to save us, we receive Christ as Lord and Savior. We call on his name and believe in our hearts that God raises him from the dead on our behalf. Then we can be saved. And we have a spiritual birth. So Jesus is saying there's, there's a new birth called a spiritual birth. That's good news. This message today is all about good news. And I want us to go away from here with a new focus. So that's one thing. Write that down. New birth in Christ. That's something we have as a Christ follower. We have a new birth in Christ. We also, it says in verse 3, have a living hope. In verse 3, it said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. We read that. To a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a hopeless. We're not hopeless in this life. We don't have no hope. We're not as those who have no hope in, in the things around us. You know what the, the being spoiled idea, the needing more, the wanting more, the having to up it, that law of diminishing the returns, that's all built on no hope, hopelessness. I need more. I've got to have more because there's nothing to hope in in this world, so I need more. I've got to have more. But he says we've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's take a look in John some more. We're going to turn to John quite a bit to unpack what's been written in 1 Peter. John chapter 10. Verse 27 through 30, this is Jesus speaking here. John chapter 10, starting in verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never, they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. That's good news. Because that says if you are in Christ, if you know a time, you know a place, you know a point where you gave your life to Christ and you asked him to save you and he took you off the broken path and he put you on his path, he, the, the old died and the new came and you're in Christ walking with him, he says no one can make you go back on that old path again. No one can snatch you out of what God has done and undo it. That's where we get rise of the, the, the term, the theological term, once saved, always saved. That's where it comes from. Jesus says, no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. If God has placed you in the kingdom as a child, and we're going to talk about the child and heir in a minute, you can't be taken back. You can't lose that. And that's good news. That should make you smile. That should change your focus that, that no matter what happens in this short time we call our life, that the time that follows is with God forever and ever and ever and ever. And nothing that happens here can take that away. Nothing that happens on this earth can change the fact that if we are with the Father and we are His possession, nothing can change that. So that's, that's, that's another, in my opinion, amen moment. This is good news, guys. This is really good news. 
The third thing that the, the author of Peter says is we have an inheritance. And here's what he says. Uh, I'm going to read again the, the, the verse 3 because these connect. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. Into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We have an inheritance. Did you know you had an inheritance in Christ? That, that, that when you became a Christ follower, you became a child of God. John, uh, the first chapter we're going to read in a moment, talks about becoming a child of God. And see, we have this idea in the world that all people are God's children. The Bible does not say that. Not every person in the world is God's child. Every person in the world is God's creation. We are all God's creation. God created us just as we studied again back in Genesis. He created in His image to be the image bearers. We are created in God's image, therefore we are God's creation. Let's take a look at John chapter 1. Where John the Apostle explains clearly what I'm talking about. We're going to read the first 13 verses. This is John talking about Jesus, and he says, In the beginning was the Word. I'm going to give you the page number on that. It's 517 if you're in the Pew Bible. Starting in the first chapter, in the first verse, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him, that's Christ, was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. John was not the light. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, speaking again of Christ, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But listen what it says. To all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You become a child of God when you enter God's kingdom through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for your sin. That's the only way to become a child of God. But to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave a right to become the child of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's good news. <laughs> you have an inheritance. You, if, if you're a Christ follower and you're in Christ, you will be with Christ now, you will be with Christ in the future, and you have an inheritance. Does anybody in, in your earthly life not like have a, a familial connection in your background? Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, your, your loved ones that, that are older than you, your ancestors have all passed and you're just like by yourself. There's people like that sometimes. Um, in, in my family, I'm an only child. It's just me and my mom and dad. There isn't anybody else. So, so there, it's weird. There's no inheritance back there. <laughs> you know, there's no uh, great uncles or, or, or rich grandparents or anybody back there with an inheritance to hand it down. Uh, and my parents don't have an inheritance. Um, there's, sorry, Rebecca, there's... No inheritance. There's no inheritance coming. <laughs> but it's all about focus, right? 
The inheritance we have in Christ, we know is coming. And it's guaranteed in Christ. He gives us the right to become children of God. Let's take a look at Romans 8, uh, page 550. Uh, Paul unpacks this a little bit for us. Romans 8, page 550. We're going to read 12 through 17. Paul says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, that's the the world, uh, the, the law of sin and death. If we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit... You put to, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. There's that connection. There's that familial connection, that, that, that inheritance connection. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but listen what you've received. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, which is Daddy, Father. You get to call God the Father, the creator of all things, who spoke into being time and everything else light, dark, planets, universe, plants, animals, people. You get to call that creator God Daddy when you're translated into the kingdom of God by salvation through trust in Christ. We get to call our creator God, Daddy. And he continues in verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and listen to this, fellow heirs with Christ. Anybody? That's pretty amazing. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided, okay, now here, we're going we're gonna to talk about this again in a minute, provided we suffer with him. It's not all uh, lollipops and giggles, right? We, we, some have been sold a bill of goods by certain teachers and preachers and, and, and denominational movements that if you come to faith in Christ, everything's going to be great and, and it's going to be like payday and all the money you need and everything, you know, uh, claim it, name it, pray for it. If you didn't pray for it and get it, then it was, it was on you. You didn't have enough faith. All that, all that nonsense. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible, in fact, teaches that while we do have an abundant life on this earth, that there's going to be some suffering. And he says, we're heirs and children of the heir, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We're going to get back to the suffering in a second. The last thing he says uh, at the end of the verses that we read in 1 Peter, uh, into verse 5, he says that we have been guarded through the faith. Uh, another translation says, shielded through the faith, through God's power. We are shielded by God's power. So did you know, not only do we have a new birth as Christ followers, we have an inheritance as Christ followers. God's shown mercy on us. He has an inheritance for us, uh, an abundant life on earth, and an eternal life with Him in heaven. That's our inheritance. He's also shielding us. Now, sometimes we step out from behind the shield and we get shot because we do stupid stuff we shouldn't be doing. Anybody? Yeah. But God will shield us. 
Uh, read Ephesians, talk about the, the, the armor of God, we're not going to get into that, but one of the parts of the armor of God shields us from the flaming arrows that the enemy is shooting at us because he wants us to fail and he wants us to be inconsequential and he wants us to be unusable for God. But God says, you know what? Stand behind me. I'm your shield. In fact, if you go back to the Old Testament, that's one of the characteristics of God. I am your rock. I am your shield. God is shielding us in his power. John 10 again, verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's a promise that Jesus has made to us. I will give them eternal life. They, that's us, Christ followers, will never perish. Now he's speaking spiritually here. And no one can snatch us out of God's hand. That's good focus. I mean, that's the things we should focus on. Again, I told you, this is a, a message about good news. Uh, it's a message for us to learn how to get past ourselves by returning and looking in the Scripture to what God has done for us and what lays ahead of us. So what's our response? Anytime we study anything in Scripture, we always want to know, what do I do with this? Uh, how, how, why does this matter? You might ask that question. So what? The response of the Christ follower is those who see what God's laid out for them, okay? And here's what they do. First Peter, we read this a minute ago, chapter 1, verse 6, in this you rejoice. Do you spend a lot of time rejoicing? New birth, inheritance, shielded by faith, shielded by God, by, by, by the faith that God gives us, shielded through God's power. Uh, do, do you spend time rejoicing? I looked up that word rejoice. To feel or show great joy or delight. Do you feel or show great joy or or delight in what God has done for you and is doing for you and will do for you at the end? Are, are, do, you, do you live a life of rejoicing? Or are we spoiled? And we complain. And everything's not the way we wanted it to be. And I don't have enough of what I thought this life would be like. And I don't have the job that I want, and I don't have the house that I want, and I don't have the spouse that I thought I would have, and my kids didn't turn out. I'm, well, there's so many things. I didn't, I'm not saying that about you. It's the other, it's the other two. Just kidding. <laughs> this is all theoretical, Rebecca. <laughs> Do you spend time thinking about those things? All the stuff that's wrong, all the stuff that you wanted it to be different, all the stuff that could be better. Or is your focus on rejoicing? Rejoice. The, the, the author says in this, in these things that he has listed, he opened up God's treasures and he said, here they are. In these things, rejoice. He says, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved with various trials. There you go, back to the suffering. But those trials, the sufferings, the things that come in this life, there, listen what it says. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. So when we read this, we're to understand that we have these good things, but there's going to be trials and there's going to be testing, and those things come to prove our faith. What does it say about our faith when those things come and we just complain about them? 
And we get all fussy and we throw our spoiled temper tantrum about it. My, my, my coffee's empty. Isaac's shaking his cup at the front. He's like, my coffee's empty. <laughs> Isaac's like, I'm never bringing my coffee to church again. You can get more coffee right after. We got, a, we got pots full of coffee in the back. I'm misusing that as a joke. But he was seriously shaking his cup to see if it had any left, and it didn't. It was sad. It was a sad moment. We've all been there. You shake the cup, and you need one more drink, and it's gone. The response of the Christ follower who sees the heavenly treasures laid out before them for all to look at is this. In this you rejoice. In this you rejoice. We rejoice in the things that came before in that passage. The new birth, the inheritance, and the fact that Christ and God and the Spirit are shielding us from stupid, dumb stuff that could happen if we get out of line with what he wants us to do. When we're following him, when we're obedient to him, when we listen to his word. Remember we read a passage a minute ago? Jesus referred to the sheep and the shepherd. He's the great shepherd. The sheep hear his voice and they follow him. When we stay with the shepherd and follow him, he protects us. He shields us. So we rejoice. We rejoice instead of complain. We rejoice instead of feeling sorry for ourselves. We rejoice instead of looking at what can I get more out of this life when the fact is that this life is so short. It's a dot on an infinite line, if you can imagine. The life we have now, earthly, fleshly, born of water, born of flesh, the scripture talks about, ends in a heartbeat ends in a moment it's over and then eternity eternity with God if you're a Christ follower eternity without God if you're not so we focus on the rejoicing and we realize that we are going to suffer grief trials things like that that are going to come but they come to test our faith so think back to this week this last week two weeks maybe the last month what tested you, you didn't realize it at the moment. Testing, trials, suffering that came, and you just groused about it. You complained about it. God was, was allowing these things to happen, maybe even causing some of them. We don't know uh, when God tests by, by causing things, or when he just allows tests to happen by things, because sometimes things just happen. But what if the results of those tests told you about about you. How are you responding to the test? You're being, well, being strong with God is a good one. Anybody else? How, how, just throw some out there. How, good or bad, how have you responded to the test? Anybody? Anybody failed? Yeah, I see some hands in the hallway. I failed. <laughs> Anybody? You, you, you were successful? Anybody? You, you stood strong? and you looked at the right things, and you focused on God, and you focused on His gifts, you focused on the things that He's given to us that are, that are these, these good news things that we rejoice in, because it all comes down to focus, doesn't it? What are we looking at moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day? We come here on Sunday, we gather, we worship, I hope, 
Um, I hope we pray. I hope we read our scripture. I hope we get some recharging. We fellowship together. Uh, we share some food together. Well, we, we, we talk about each other's needs and desires and, and brokenness, and we pray for one another. And then when we go out, what happens? Do we just pick up the complaining again? <laughs> pick up the complaining. Pick up the grousing. Pick up the dissatisfaction. It all comes down to focus. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the here and now? If you're looking at the here and now, if you're, if you're pulling out your wallet and you're looking at your wallet, you're, you're getting online and looking at your bank account, you're thinking about your job, you're thinking about the world, it's broken. I'm just going to tell you this. I'm going to be honest with you because that's what we should be is honest with each other. It's always going to disappoint you. You're always going to be disappointed if that's what you focus on. But... If your focus is upon God, if it's upon Christ, if it's upon His riches in glory and the things that He's laid out for you, an inheritance, a new birth, and the fact that He shields you, you're going to have a completely different outlook on this life. You're going to be a usable person for Him. You're going to be clay in the master's hands that he can mold and shape he remembered the, the scripture talks about him being the potter and us being the clay and he molds us and shapes us and we allow him to craft us and mold us and shape us into what he wants us to be if we focus on him so i'm just going to implant this in your minds for this week this month this year complaining that you just plant this in your head if you start complaining Ask yourself, well, what about Christ? Just remind yourself, oh, I'm complaining. What, what, what would Christ have me to focus on here instead? I'm complaining about my job. Well, what would, what would Christ have? Oh, well, maybe there's something I can do to, to make it better for other people. Maybe my job has uh, an, an atmosphere I don't like to go to, but maybe I can go to it and I can be salt and light for other people. Maybe I can make, I, and I'm just throwing out an idea. But allow Christ to refocus your dissatisfaction on this world because you're going to have it into something that he can use to transform it for his glory and for his honor. In fact, that's what it says, right? It says that all of these things will be tested and may be found to be the result in, and, and result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we, we shuffled the songs around in the service today. Uh, I, I know, and I hope you know, that singing some songs can be worship, but isn't necessarily worship. In fact, I think worship is defined by one word, and that's obedience. So we worship God in our obedience. We worship God in doing what He says to do, by being the obedient follower that He designed us to be, by being the sheep that listen to the shepherd's voice, right? But we shuffled the, the order a little bit today to put more songs at the end because the author of Peter, 1 Peter said, in these things we rejoice. So we put a couple songs at the end so we can sing a little more and rejoice. Now again, singing some songs can be worship. It can be rejoicing. It can be praise. It can also just be reading some words off a screen and then going to lunch. It depends upon your focus. Are you focusing on you? Are you focusing on your needs, your desires, your thoughts? Are you thinking about God? Are you praising Him? Are you worshiping Him? I mean, Scripture is, is full.
full of teaching about who God is and how to worship Him. Uh, and, and just superlative after superlative about Him. He's the omnipotent. He's the almighty. Uh, he's everlasting. He's the Alpha, He's the Omega, and I mean it goes on and on and on. And when we pray and when we praise and when we worship, we, we can thank God and praise Him for those things. But we're going we're gonna to worship, and in fact, the worship team, why don't you guys come on down um, and, and get ready. We're going to sing a couple songs, we're going to pray uh, briefly, then we're going to sing. But as we, as we do this, as we sing and as we pray uh, in a moment, I'm just going to challenge you to worship and to rejoice. That's not like I'm saying, hey, we got to dance around and clap our hands and be crazy. That's not, that, you know, you could, that could in some sense, for some people, be legitimately a way of praising God. But we're not talking about showy things. Uh, if you remember the scripture we read recently, it says, um, man is concerned with the things that are visible, but God's concerned with what? the heart so bring a heart of worship and a heart of praise and 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 because of what we read in first peter a heart of thankfulness god these are amazing gifts you've given to me thank you and thank him with your praise and thank you with his with your worship and thank him with your prayer heavenly father lord as we uh, lift our prayer up to you May it be the sincere outpouring of our heart, a heart that seeks to know you, a heart that seeks to follow you, a heart that seeks to praise you, to rejoice in the things that you've given to us, a new birth, uh, a living hope, uh, an inheritance, and the fact that it doesn't end there, but that moment by moment and day by day, you are shielding us in your power against the things of this world that seek to drag us down and destroy it destroy us and against Satan himself. Lord, we thank you for these things. And Lord, if, uh, if we find ourselves at the end of this reading and, and studying and thinking through this with the attitude, meh, Lord, I pray that you change that in us because these things are the essence and the heart of the gospel. These things that you've written in your word, these are the things that you want to do in the hearts and and lives of men and women and boys and girls to change us, to make us new. In fact, Scripture says uh, when we come to faith in Christ, the, the old is gone and the new is come. And God, we know you're in the business of making things new. Lord, maybe today some of us need a, a renewal. We were new once, but we need to be new again. We need to recapture what Scripture calls uh, the joy of our salvation, Lord. Uh, Help us to take our eyes and our focus off of our troubles. We sang that song uh, about sorrows and troubles at the beginning, Lord, and, and, and we give those to you. Sorrows and troubles and disappointments and dissatisfactions, Lord, we place at your altar. Lord, and we focus on you, not out of duty and not because we have to, but because you first loved us, now we look to, to you with great love. Lord, thank you for saving us. And Lord, if, if anyone is here today and they're grappling with that idea of salvation and they're like, I really want to know you today, God, and uh, I'm ready to know you, all you have to do is just call on his name and ask him to save you. Scripture says if you believe in your heart, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and you call on his name, 
that he will save you, save you from your bad decisions, from your bad choices in the past. He'll save you from a bad future that's coming down the road, both in life and in the after. All you have to do is be honest with him. Lord, I have sinned. I have displeased you in in, in pretty much everything I've done. Lord, forgive me of that and place in me a new heart. A heart that, that, that beats in time with the Father. Lord Jesus Christ, come and save me today. I believe that you took my sin to the cross. I believe that you took uh, all of our sin to the cross. And I want to follow you with the rest of my life. And I want to know you. Lord, I know the scripture says that that laid out in front of the Christ follower is a path that you have laid out of things to do, of good works, a journey to walk into that you laid out before time. Before I was even born, you already knew I would be born and you knew there was this path of good works you wanted me to walk into. And Lord, we know that each of us has that. I pray today we'll walk into that path of good works. Renew the sense of our salvation. And Lord, if we haven't been saved, Lord, save us today. If that is anybody's intention in here, Lord, and they come to you, I just ask, uh, Lord, that they do that and that you receive them. And that we walk together with a new focus on obedience to Christ, not on this world, not on the disappointments, not on the things of this world that are fleeting and momentary but upon the inheritance and upon the new birth, upon the new hope, upon the things that, that the author of First Peter has laid out before us. Lord, we thank you for those things sincerely. And we're going to transition, Lord, into a time of praise and worship. And as we do that, I pray that our, our, our singing will be sincere. Our words will be from our heart. Lord, that you receive all glory and all honor and all praise from us as we rejoice in the things that you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us as you're able as we close with these last couple songs.